Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, hello. Uh, welcome to Kindred Church. It's good to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us at Kindred, we are especially glad that you have joined us. Uh, we want you to know that whatever your faith journey looks like, whatever your background is, you are welcome here. Uh, we've got a special treat today. We're going to hear a sermon from Pastor Jameson Doring. Uh, as some of you know, Pastor Jameson is the new executive pastor at our mother church, which is University United Methodist in downtown. Chapel Hill. Uh, Jameson has a great message for us today on gluttony as we continue our series on the seven deadly sins. Let's take a listen. Well, howdy to my kindred family. It's so good to see all of you again. Uh, You may have met me before, but my name is Jameson. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church. I actually serve at University UMC, but one of the beautiful things about our community is that we have relationships across the Durham Chapel Hill area, and I'm so thankful that Daniel has invited me to be with you to preach on this week's sin, which is gluttony. We continue through our series looking at the seven deadly sins, these things that were created to give us focus points for how not to be in this world. And so today we tackle gluttony. Uh, gluttony being one of those things, when we think about it, perhaps it already conjures up images of cheeseburgers, hot dogs, soda, ice cream? Is there something that you crave and really desire? I know for me, and it's interesting uh, because our kindred family meets on Sundays at a place where I had a deep craving, which is the movie theater. I love movie theater popcorn. I don't know why it is, but there's something about the crunch, the butter. I'm sure there are doctors and folks who are skilled in health professions out there that are listening that would tell me it's not good for me, but I figure you got to go down somehow, so why not with a little butter in your arteries? And one of the things that was great about the Carmike, as the AMC was called when I was in seminary, is they sold these huge buckets. And if you bought a $15, $20 bucket, I forget how much it was, you could actually pay to have it refilled for much less. So a little bit of put some money down now, and then later... You could reap the rewards by having cheaper refills. And one of the things I like to do, because you know I was so health conscious, as all 24-year-old males are when they're in seminary, is that they, is that I would go and spend the 2 or $3 to refill it. But instead of filling it to the top, I would say, just give me a single scoop. You know, I'm a delicate six foot nine, 260-pound man. I need to watch my delicate figure. So I'll just have a single scoop. Now, what I would do afterwards was be able to spread the butter much more evenly across all of the popcorn. You know, one of the things you forget is if you put too much popcorn in a bag and you try to put butter on top of it, it doesn't seep equally through the layers. You gotta have one solid layer and then put the butter on top of it. For those of you that were curious about my strategy on that front. But that particular day, the young gentleman who was working the register looked at me and said, sir, I don't think I can do that. And I paused. I was already thinking about grabbing my popcorn. I was almost late for my movie. And I said, what do you mean you can't just give me a single scoop? He's like, well, I think I'm required to fill the bucket all the way up to the top. I've got to give you as much popcorn as I can. It's got to go to the top. And I said, listen, I've come here so many times before. 
I pay my two or three dollars. I get the one scoop. The butter's properly distributed. It's fine. He's like, you know, I'm going to have to call my manager. A manager? Suddenly we're in a dispute over popcorn. And for the some kind of crazy roundabout way, I, as the customer, am arguing with the business, the movie theater, to give me less popcorn. And yet here I was talking to that poor gentleman's manager who said, sir, these buckets are meant to be filled at a cheap cost all the way back to the top. And I said, I know, but I only want to pay my two or three dollars. I'll sign a waiver. I'll sign away my firstborn, whatever you need. I just want the single scoop so I can spread the butter. And he said, you know what, sir? I, I don't think I can do that. This is our policy. This is what the theater said. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give you all the popcorn. And then if you want, you can dump some of it off into the garbage on your way into your theater. And I said, okay, give it all to me. Now, I know what you're wondering. With my bucket full, did I indeed pour any out? And the answer is, of course I didn't. I'm an accountant. I believe in God's beautiful creation. I'm a steward of resources. I ate the whole bucket, but that's not the point. The point is, I had a mindset. I wanted to get less than what I was given. I was trying to be good, and yet this movie theater was supporting my craving, which was movie theater popcorn. When we look out in the world, I wonder, as I started with, are there cravings you have? Gluttony is this sin that teaches us that you should keep consuming, keep indulging. What if tomorrow brings less than what you had today? So keep eating. And we get to this point, and perhaps you felt this, where there's almost this passive truth that says, yes, eat to the point where you're almost uncomfortable. But in being uncomfortable, being so full, being so sure that you've gotten enough, that will bring you comfort. But I got to tell you, Maybe you've had the experience that I've had. I ate that whole movie theater bucket of popcorn, large, covered in butter, sorted with a straw. You can actually put a straw down through the layers and fill it up with butter. That's not the point of today. And I was pretty miserable by the end of the film. I don't remember what I saw that day, but I remember how I felt when I got home. I needed hydration, and I needed a healthy, fibrous diet of fruit and vegetables and grain. I needed something to help me because I was in pain. When we think about gluttony, it can be easy just to focus on food. Do I have the right diet? Am I eating the right things? Am I open and willing to kind of shape my life in a certain way from a, from a caloric position? But in reality, gluttony really deals with the soul as well. You may have noticed each week when we've dealt with one of the seven deadly sins that it often comes back to our relationship with God. So you may be thinking, how is my perception or relationship to cheeseburgers going to influence how I feel about God's work in my life? And I have to tell you that it really begins with an understanding and, and an appreciation for kind of a simple question, which is, is what God provides to you enough? Do we trust that Jesus is enough? In our story today, from John's gospel. We're going to be wrestling with this much like these crowds are wrestling with Jesus. You heard in the scripture this idea that Jesus is, refers to himself as the bread of life. What an interesting way to describe himself. This idea that he's come to give bread to people so they'll eat and they are approaching it in kind of a, a way that we would with they're saying, where does it come from? How do I get it? They're thinking about a day-to-day -day temporal activity. What can I consume right 
now. And Jesus is trying to tell them, your perspective needs to change. Will you look higher? Will you look bigger? Now, in their defense, God has fed the Israelites a time or two. In the Old Testament, as the Israelites are journeying through the desert, they literally relied on the spirit of God to provide manna. It would fall like dew from heaven, and they would go out and gather it. And in fact, it was a test of their faithfulness in God that they would not try to store because it would go bad. So each day they would see the reliance they have on God. But here Jesus is trying to draw people's attention past just the day-to-day. Jesus is trying to draw their attention past where is my food going to come from today and start looking towards eternity, an everlasting fulfillment, a way of living that really approaches the world and says, I am satisfied. And so gluttony and how it takes things that should be good and enjoyed, it distorts them so we feel like we have to consume them in large quantities. In a lot of ways, gluttony and greed go hand in hand. If greed is about making sure we have security and the things we need to feel safe, gluttony is a more temporal, immediate need that says, I need that energy, those spiritual calories now. But Jesus says, you don't have to have anxiety and fear and worry. This is always a part where I want to be very clear. Whenever we talk about the seven deadly sins for us who are thinking about where our next meal comes from, it's easy to think about these in spiritually abstract ways. Like I had the opportunity to preach on greed last week and I brought the same point. We can never forget that there are some people for which seeking out food, what they need to eat, is a day-to-day struggle. And so I by no means in diminishing soup kitchens, food pantries, community gardens, things where people need to be provided with nourishment and substance. What I am saying, though, is that we, as all Christians, are brought into a reality that what Jesus provides, this, this bread of life, fulfills us in such a deep and complete way, a way that no other bread can. Not even the best movie theater popcorn can. And so while there are immediate temporal needs for food, Jesus looks at us and said, but don't you want something that's everlasting? I'm also reminded of Christ's words when he's in the desert and being tempted, and he responds to this idea that he can turn stones to bread, and he says, people don't live on bread alone. Again, this idea that what God provides, you need, you crave, you desire, and we don't have to hoard and consume to a level of discomfort because what God gives should always make us feel comfortable and complete. When I was traveling one summer, I had the benefit of having uh, a wonderful field ed in South Africa. Duke Divinity School has a long-standing relationship with the Seth Makatimi Seminary, which, in Peter, which is in Peter Maritzburg, close to Durban, for those of you that may know South Africa. South Africa is a beautiful place, wonderful to visit. I had the privilege of getting to listen to Peter's story, hear, hear testimonies about the, the battles against apartheid, and to really exist in a place where I was the outsider. Uh, I was serving uh, in a circuit uh, with a local Methodist pastor. He had 40 churches in his charge. 40 churches. I think he told me it took about three months to make it to every church. And what was beautiful about getting to serve with him for just a couple weeks is every service I went to, 
We both served communion, but also the service was not in English. It was in Zulu or Kosa, some of the native dialects. And so I was forced to sit in spaces and places and think about how am I being filled today? How am I engaging today? What is God trying to give me today? And finally, after a couple of weeks, I was invited to actually serve communion. And this made me really nervous. I had never served communion in a way. I'd never been a part of passing it out in a way where I couldn't speak the same language. And I was worried, what do I say? How do I pray? How do people know that I'm making a connection? And one uh, Saturday afternoon, because sometimes we had services on Saturday and Sunday, we were traveling to a remote village to do some visitations. The, the pastor told me we'd be serving communion to a couple folks that struggled to make it to church. And we went into a home, and you know, as I said, everyone spoke a native dialect. The pastor was really the only one there that was bilingual. And I always jokingly said, you know, I spoke Texan, and no one really understood that. And they spoke Kosa, and I didn't understand that. And so we're serving communion, and I'm going to pass out the bread, which resonates with me today as we talk about Jesus being this bread of life. And the only thing I could think to say, because I knew, was that the woman's name, who we were visiting, we were bringing communion to, her name was Violet. That was her English name. And so I just said, Violet, the body of Christ given for you. And I don't know if she understood anything else I prayed or said, but she understood her name. And when she looked at me, she seemed appreciative. I don't say this to boast or brag. I know it wasn't me working in that moment. That was God connecting with someone through something more than just simple bread and saying, Violet, you're loved. Violet, you're welcome. Violet, you're enough. And I left that place knowing that there is something out there in this world that's deeper than just your bucket of popcorn. There are things in this world that are more important and precious to us that allow us to feel like we belong, that we're desired, and that we can be filled with something that truly fills us beyond just the day-to-day -day into something towards eternity. So you hear this and you think, all right, how do I go out today from wherever I'm sitting? And how do I live like I've received this bread of life? How do I go out and act like I've gotten enough? How do I engage with this new reality that Christ invites us to? I'm going to use a word that we often use for food, but in that moment in the mountains of South Africa, talking and speaking with Violet, I realized I had never truly appreciated, I want you to go out and savor life. When we think of something that we savor, right, it often involves food, something that really tastes delicious, but what if we savored life when we're around other people? What if we had moments that were just as good as a medium rare steak? What if we had moments that were just as good as a fresh batch of ice cream. Moments you can almost taste because of the love and the relationship. Gluttony says you should consume and hoard and stock up and just eat until you're uncomfortable. But people, people call us to something different because of what Jesus has done for us. We are called to savor time, to make time to enjoy the small moments, 
to recognize we have a God that goes before us, who's also with us. And in doing that, we take stock of our current reality and we say, this is good. This is right. God is in this place and it is a delight to be with you. So to go back to your question, how do you live this out in the day to day? Maybe when you go to lunch, make it a time that's more than just lunch. Share stories, share laughter, maybe even talk to another patron. If, if you're at home because of uh, COVID concerns, perhaps you're still being mindful of our current environment, maybe it's a phone call or an email or a FaceTime, but there are ways that we can be connected with each other where we say, I'm calling simply for you because of the relationship I want to have with you. And when we do that, the anxiety and the fear drifts away and we feel comfortable and confident in who God has called us to be. To that end, will you pray with me? Lord, I'm thankful for this text. This holy mystery in which you've given yourself to us. This idea that you are indeed the bread of life. Not just for the day-to-day, but for every day, for all days, for days that stretch beyond days, for things that lead into eternity. And because of that, we can be comfortable and we can be comforted. And we can offer that comfort to others. We can savor life together. Give us the small moments. Give us the right opportunities to experience one another and the kind of relationship and love that you've called us to. May we not be gluttons, but simply be your children, your family, called by name to be in loving service to one another. It's for that I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. And thank you, Pastor Jameson. Uh, Friends, a couple quick things here for us before we go. Uh, First of all, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you, but I need your contact information to do that. So uh, be sure to click the connect link in the description here. Uh, Leave me some contact information and and I'll be sure to reach out to you later this week. I look forward to saying hey. Um, Also, if you're local, we'd love to see you in in in-person worship. You can get all the details about how to do that uh, on our website. It's kindrednc.church. And finally, as always, check the announcements link in the description for all the latest updates about how you can get involved uh, in our community if and when you're ready to do so. Uh, With that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week. Listeners, this free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.